to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is a good atmosphere to preach in. Stand with me, please, all over the church. I love, I'm old school. I love to stand and reading of the word. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to read verses 1 through 4. I've titled this message, I've got some bad news and I've got some good news. Just wait and see. You'll find out what it is. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Can y'all say amen to the reading of the word? You can be seated this morning. Don't y'all love it when someone calls you and says, hey, I've received some good news. I love that. I love I love doing that to people, and I love when it happens to me. Hey, guess what? I've received some good news. What is it? We're having a boy, or we're having a girl. Hey, guess what? I just got a phone call. I just received some good, good news. What is it? The loan went through. Oh, that's awesome. We're going to be able to buy our house. I just got some good news. What is it? I'm being discharged from the hospital today. I'm going home. That's some really good news. Hey, I, I got to call you, man. I just got some good news. You're not going to believe this. What is it? I got the job. They hired me. I've got the job. Hey, I just, I, I got to tell you this. I got some good news. What is it? I just got accepted to Harvard. I don't know if that's good news. I just thought I'd throw that in there. I don't know if it'd be very good news, would it? But uh, I, I just think we love it when we get good news. The Bible contains good news. And it's called the gospel. As a matter of fact, the word gospel literally means good news. And have you ever noticed that good news is sometimes juxtaposed with bad news? It's put side by side. Uh, it's kind of like the title that I've got. People will come to you and say, well, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. And don't you hate when that happens? Wouldn't you rather just somebody come up and say, I've got some good news? But sometimes they say, I've got some good news and I've got bad news. Now, then sometimes they'll say, so what do you want first, the good news or the bad news? So let's take a survey here this morning. Maybe you'll do a little better than the first service because I think 50% of them wouldn't raise their hand for anything. And, and I just, it just hurt my feelings. So how many of you like to get the bad news first? Let me see your hand. Hold it in. Okay, here we go. Oh, you bunch of pessimists, you. Okay, so put your hands down. How many of you want the good news first? Okay, we're the minority. All right, so what is it? Y'all just want to get the bad news out of the way? Is that what it is? See, I'm the other way around. I want the good news. I'm an optimist. Give me the good news first so I can just hang on to that, and it's a nice soft pillow for the bad news to fall into. And it'll kind of cushion the bad news because they can fall back on the good news. Well, the Bible is the same way. It contains bad news and it contains good news. So let's talk about the bad news of the Bible. Okay, you didn't know there was bad news in the Bible, but there is. Here's the bad news of the Bible. You ready? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, that's bad news. We're all sinners. Nobody, no, no one meets up to God's standard. Here's the bad news. As it is written, there is none righteous. Nope, not one. There is none who understands. 
There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. There's not one good person on this earth. Not one person that's that's right and right before God. We're all born in sin. Everybody's born in sin. Here's another piece of bad news. David said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. We were born in sin. I love my grandbabies. Now, I love those boys. I've got that, all three of them, I love them. you got that little Brooks and, and Evan and Elizabeth are expecting their first, another son, fourth grandson. That'll be in November. But I've noticed something. I saw it with my boys and I'm noticing it with my grandboys that uh, even as young and as sweet as they are, they can lie. They'll lie in a heartbeat. They'll beat up on each other. They'll, they'll do it. I think I told you all the stupid story. They were at the house driving. They, they got to acting up. And I said, y'all stop acting stupid. Well, stupid's a bad word. That's probably for you, but not in my house. I told them, I said, they said, Papa, that's a bad word. I said, not in my house. I use it all the time. So you're just going to have to get used to it, son. And, and, and so I said, stop acting stupid. Y'all acting stupid. I'm just sick and tired of y'all acting stupid. Now straighten up. Their mom and dad had gone off, to, and we were keeping them for a few days. Boy, they straightened up. I said, y'all get out here. We got these two carts I talked about last Sunday, little electric tractors. Well, they're out there riding. Well, Bo, he just went on back to riding, but Barrett, he was still working that stupid thing. And he was riding along, and he looked over Bo and looked at me. He said, Papa, I think Bo's being stupid. No, he's not. He rode about 30 more seconds. He said, Papa, Bo's being stupid. He was trying to get Bo in trouble. Needless to say, I had to turn my head. I was laughing in the garage, trying not to let him see my face. Okay, but we're all born in sin. We all have that sinful nature. Everybody's born in sin has that sinful nature. Here's some more bad news. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. The sin in our life separates us from God. You have no relationship with God. And if you are a sinner today, you're not right with the Lord, but you say, well, God, and I've got an arrangement. I'm sorry, you don't have an arrangement. Okay, well, I, I pray I'm sinful, but I pray. It doesn't matter if you pray. The Bible just said in Isaiah 59 too, God does not hear your prayer. You're praying, but nobody's listening because your sins are a wall that's standing in the way. The bad news is sinners are self-seeking and do not obey God's moral law. And by the way, if it sounds like I'm up here just, you know, pointing my finger, everybody in this room, those of us who are saved, we were once sinners too. So we're qualified to talk about it. We were there. Self-seeking, selfish, disobedient to God's moral law, sinful people act, speak, and think in unrighteous ways. Sinners walk in rebellion against God, and consequently, the Bible says, bad news, that we are under the judgment of God, and we are condemned to die. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Bad news. The bad news is, the soul who sins shall surely die. That's the bad news. You're not right with God. You know you're not right with God. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. You're living in this world in rebellion against God, and when you breathe your last, you're separated from him now, and you're going to spend your eternity in a devil's hell by your choice, not God's, by the way. You're sending yourself there, and you're going to be eternally separated forever. Now, that's bad news. There's nothing about that that's good. But thank God that, in, that oh, there's bad news. I've got some good news. You ready for some good news? God himself has provided a solution to our sin problem. Here's the good news. For God so loved the world that he gave his 
only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him, anybody, shall not perish and die in their sins, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's good news. Here's the good news. God the Son, Jesus, robed with flesh, lived a perfect, sinless life. And then he died on a cross for our sins, dying in our place, taking the punishment for our sins upon himself, which is death. So instead of us dying for our sins, Jesus died for our sins. The Bible says, for God made him, good news, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Here's the good news. He was buried in Joseph's tomb, rose again on the third day. That's what he just sang. He was seen alive by many witnesses and proven by many infallible proofs, and he ascended to heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father to redeem everybody who places their trust in him and asks him to forgive them. That's good news. That's the good news we need. So there's bad news, yeah, but hey, there's good news. Let me just say this to you today. There is power in that good news. There's power in it. I'm talking about power that can change you, power that can affect you, power that can radically transform your entire being, power that can put you in an entirely different trajectory than the trajectory you were on when you were in sin. Romans 1.16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In the very text that I read, Paul says, By the gospel you are saved. The gospel has the power to save your soul. The gospel has the power to make you right with God. The power has the gospel to transform you from a saint, sinner to a saint. The power has the gospel to radically change your life for the good. Let me just talk to all the believers in here. Do you remember when you first heard the gospel? Do you remember the power that you experienced when you trusted in the gospel and God changed your life? Do you remember how God saved you and washed you and changed you? Do you recall how the guilt and the fear and the shame went away and joy and peace flooded your soul that morning, that afternoon, that evening? Do you recall how you had a smile on your face and you slept like a baby that night and you went to work the next day and people looked at you and said, what's happened to you? There's something different about you. You're not the same. Well, the truth was you weren't the same because God had done something wonderful in your life. I'm telling you this morning, there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It'll never lose its power. That's why we like sing that song sometimes about the blood, which is part of the story, the blood of Jesus. It will never lose its power. And it's, it's been so powerful. It's been working for 2,000 plus years, and it'll last throughout all eternity. So if you're here this morning, you're not saved. You just heard the gospel and God wants to save you. If you'll just believe and trust in the Lord and ask him to forgive you and make you up your mind that you're gonna turn from sin and spend the rest of your life living for the Lord and doing what's right, God will save you. It'll be awesome what he does for you. Now, I just wanna spend the rest of this message talking to those of us who are saved because basically that's what Paul does in this text. He's, he's sharing the gospel but then he's, he's saying to the people who have experienced the power of the gospel, now that you've experienced it, you need to steward it. 
There are some things that we are to do with the gospel, and I think this is very important for me to preach today, okay? So here's the first thing that Paul says in this text. He says it needs to be preached. You, you need to preach it. Now, I don't, I don't mean get up like I'm doing today and preaching. It just means you need to share it. You need to declare it. See, the gospel was shared with you so it could be shared by you. I might need to say that again. That might have slipped by real fast. The gospel was shared with you so it could be shared by you with other people. Preachers are not the only ones who declare the gospel. It has to be spoken by the people of God to those they know who need this good news. And see, there are people that I'll never reach. There are people that you work with and live with and, and, and that are in your neighborhood. I'll, I'll never get to them. There's no way they, I could ever share the gospel with them. But you can because they're in your world. And by the way, some people fear that if they share the gospel, they'll mess it up. Let me just tell you, you can't mess it up. Don't worry about messing it up. I mean, I've had people literally say, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to share the gospel because I'm afraid I'll do something wrong. You can't. Let me help put it in perspective. Let's say that um, you wake up in the middle of the night, the dog's barking, you wake up, you look out the window, and your next door neighbor's house is on fire. Okay, you run out of your house, you go over there, and you're banging on the door, you're banging on the windows, you're smashing out windows, your neighbor is sleeping, the fire's on the other side of the house, he comes to the door, what is it going, you need to get out now, your house is on fire! Now, you can't mess that up. You just can't mess that up. You just say, get out, your house is on fire, right? You can't, and you don't have to do a Roman's road till your house is on fire. You don't knock, bang on the door, and your neighbor comes and says, Oh, neighbor, listen, I need you to admit that your house is on fire. And you need to believe with all your heart that I have got out of bed and come over here, and I'm warning you about this, and I'm rescuing you from this. And if you'll just confess right now that I will take you out and that I'm your rescuer and I will save you from this burning house. You don't have to have a Romans road or the backwards ABCs. Those, 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 those things help us. You just bang in the door and say, get out, your house is on fire. And I just want you to know this morning, you, you can't mess up the gospel. As a matter of fact, if you want me to help you with this, because you still might be a little intimidated or afraid, what you do is you tell your story and include his story. Okay, so just somebody says to you at work, all right, or a best friend, you're, you're sitting at Starbucks or, or whatever. You're, you're at the campus down here at NU, whatever, wherever you are. You're on a business trip with several people and you're sitting in a hotel lobby with one of your coworkers and you're waiting for a meeting to start and your coworker or whatever looks at you, your friend, and says, look, there's something about you. Are you a Christian? And they say, and you say, yeah, I am. Like, like you're that born again, like you're the real deal, aren't you? Because you're the real deal. Like you don't do things, you don't act like us. And you say, yeah, I am. What happened? Doors open. Walk in. Well, let me tell you what happened. I used to be just like you. I was a liar, I was I cheated. I'd have stolen your promotion if I could. I lied to get out of trouble. I was proud. I cheated on my wife. I sleep with anything in a skirt. I mean, just tell them whatever. I was a drunk, I was an alcoholic, I was a drug addict. Just tell them your story. Okay, you don't have to go into too much detail, but just tell them. Here's what I was I was just like you. And you can make the connection. But then one day, one night, one afternoon, I was sitting in a hotel and I pulled open the drawer and there was a Gideon's Bible. I was sitting in a hotel and I was watching. I was sitting home and I watched TV. I watched Christian Star Online. Somebody invited me to high praises on a Sunday morning. I came to a worship night on a Sunday night. Whatever your story is, my grandmother came over and said, honey, you gotta get saved or I'm gonna take you out of the wheel. I don't know what it is. But you just tell your story. That would not be a good evangelism tool. 
Don't recommend that. And then while you're telling them that, saying, here's what they said to me. Tell them, they said, this is what they said to me. They said, you are a sinner, and you know a sinner, but you got to admit you're a sinner, but you got to know that Jesus died and rose from the grave, and he died to take your sin away. And if all you'll do is just ask him to forgive you and repent of your life of sin, give your life to him, he'll save you. That's what they told me, and so I did. I said, God, please forgive me my sin, and I turned my life over to him. I repented of my sins, and he changed me, and he saved me, and I'm not the same person like that. I will used to be like you, but that's why I'm not like you anymore because Jesus changed my life. It's real. See, now you can do that. Everybody in this room can do that. And the thing is, everybody likes a good story, right? I'm a typical man. I like action movies. I really do. I like action movies. But I will watch a chick flick. I don't really like two ladies, okay? But if that's what Leah wants to do, just so I can be with her, I'll watch it. But what I have learned is that I can just about watch any kind of movie if it has a good storyline. Okay, unless it's a Hallmark movie because all the storylines are the same, every movie. Girl works in a shop. Client comes along. They have a clash, but then they spark, and then it's Christmas, and they get married. <laughs> Pretty much it, right? <laughs> okay. So you want to see one, you see them all. Sorry if I killed your Hallmark movie. Thrill. Everybody likes a good story. Listen, you have a good story. You say, but I wasn't a drug addict. Aren't the best stories about the guy that was an alcoholic? No, those aren't the best stories. The best story is just your story. The best story is your story that you can tell what God did for you because they know you. I love autobiographies. I, lead, I just read autobiographies all the time. I, just, I read Daniel Boone, David Crockett. I just, went, I just read a book on Francis Mary and the Swamp Fox. I love that kind of stuff. That's my thing, history and and I'm a trevor trove of trivial, historical trivia that's meaningless. But I just love that kind of stuff. Everybody likes a good story. Listen, you have a great story. Because you were this, but you're not anymore. You may not be what you, you, what you used to be, and you may not be what you ought to be, but thank God you're something different. And that's what you tell people. So it's got to be shared. It's got to be told. So don't be ashamed to share it. Don't ever be ashamed. Don't be afraid. If you're ashamed, that shows, okay? Because it's like, you're, you're ashamed. Well, then people are going to say, well, it must not mean much to you. Don't you ever be ashamed. You'd be bold. You, if you could tell a fishing story, if you could tell a golfing story, if you could tell the story how you went to, to, you went to TJ Maxx and you found a deal like crazy and you just want to tell that story, if you can tell those stories with ease, tell the gospel with ease. Okay? Y'all hear me? You can tell that story just as easy as you can tell any other story. Tell the stories, okay? I feel the Holy Ghost on that. Someone said sharing the gospel, and I've shared this before, but I love to do, I tell this in all the growth track, sharing the gospel is like one beggar telling another beggar where he can find bread. And we found the bread of life. So just tell them, okay? And so the Lord really, really dealt with me when I got to this point in the message to say this. So if there's anything I say today that you get, I just, this is so strong in my spirit because God this was just that light from heaven kind of, this is what I got to say to you. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Make room in your daily conversations for the gospel. Make room. Leave room in your daily conversations for the gospel. You don't have to talk about it all the time and be some kind of religious nut. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying when God opens the door, you walk through it. 
and don't be afraid and don't be ashamed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there is nothing in this world like leading somebody to Jesus. If you've never led anybody to Jesus, I, I just wish you would. Because I don't care what contracts you're working on, how many multi-million dollar deals you're working on, how many sales, your goals, your targets, your, how big your financial portfolio is, how, how high up the corporate ladder you are, how advanced you are, you have a corner, all, I, none of that matters. I don't, none of, listen, good, good for you. If you got a lot of money, good for you. But I'm gonna, just listen to me. I'm telling you right now, it sounds like a preacher thing. It's not, it's a kingdom thing. Any, you can kill the biggest buck in the world, a Boone and Crockett that tops them all. You can catch a 40-pound largemouth, which I don't even think exists, in Lake Hartwell. I'm just trying to be extreme here. Whatever the greatest thing you think can happen, lead somebody to Jesus, and everything else is downhill from there. Because when you lead somebody to the Lord, and they pray the sinner's prayer, and they come to Christ, and you walk away, and you realize a soul just got saved from hell and this person's eternal destiny has forever changed? What are you going to do the rest of the day, week, month, or year of your life that's going to match that? So let's, let's make room in our conversations. When the moment comes, when the, when the iron's hot, strike. The, and, and so pray for God to open doors. And by the way, Paul said the gospel was received, this gospel that you share. So you share the gospel so someone can receive it. So to receive the gospel is to believe the gospel for your personal salvation. In other words, the good news must become their good news. And make sure that you, you help them to understand because you don't earn salvation or you don't work your way to a place where God is obligated to save you. It's a gift for by grace you are saved through faith. It's just a gift God gives you. Romans 6, 23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's just, you, just, you take it and you receive it. I've told this story uh, probably more than once, but when you've been pastoring for 22 and a half years at the same church, you're gonna tell the same stories and you're gonna hear them. It's like being married for a long time. My wife knows all of my jokes, but I still get the courtesy laugh. How many ladies know what I'm talking about? Right. So I still get the courtesy laugh. And some of you have probably not heard this story, so I'm gonna, I will tell it again. Years ago, we lived down here at Silverleaf on Midway Road, and they built a house next to ours, and people moved in who were from France. Their religious background is they had a Roman Catholic background, not much of it. And so they came. It was fascinating because Holger could talk English very well, but his wife, Gail, hardly could speak any English at all. And they had two boys that were just about the ages of my sons at that time, and so they were very similar. And I was laughing because we were meeting them and trying to talk with them, and Holger was having to try to tell Gail what we were saying as Lee and I were meeting them and talking. And I was never, never forgot this because the, the two boys – went in the backyard and we had one of those play sets and they started playing on the play. They couldn't say a word to each other, but they just had, they were back there having a big time together. The rest of the world could learn a lesson from that, couldn't they? And so as time went on, we got to know them and got close with them. They had us over. I never forgot. They, they said, you Americans, uh, how they put, they said, you eat to live. We live to eat in France. <laughs> 
it's an ex, it's an experience. And for those of you who traveled to France you know, with Michelin and all, you guys know what I'm talking about. Terry, you know what I'm talking about. So they had some friends over, and they did this big. I mean, it was like a three or four hour ordeal. We didn't eat, and then we were done. The whole meal was a three or four hour ordeal. It was a it was an experience. And so we got that close with them. Well, the day came when their their work transferred them back to France. It was like the day before they were supposed to leave. And I looked at Leah. I was under conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I said, Leah, we've been friends with these people now for years and our neighbors, and I've never shared Christ with them one time. And I said, the Spirit of God is constraining me. And I said, I'm going over to the house. I don't know if Holger's there. I know Gail's there and the kids are there. I said, I want you to know I'm going over there, and I'm going to go share the gospel with her. She said, okay. And so I walked, knocked on the door, and Gail came to the door. And at this point, her English had gotten so much better. I said, Gail, can I come in? She said, sure. And there were boxes everywhere they were packing up. And I said, look, I don't want to interrupt. I said, chit-chatted for a few minutes. I said, can I talk to you for something very serious for just a minute? She said, yes. I said, you know who I am and you know what I do for a living. She said, I know. And I said, I had to come over here and talk to you before you go back to France. And I said, I want to tell something. I want to tell you a story. I want to share something with you. It's called the gospel. And I got to simply, very simply, share the gospel with her. I kept it as simple as possible. This woman was Roman Catholic. She had never heard the gospel in her life. Never heard the gospel. And when I finished, with great integrity and innocence, she looked at me and she said, but that is so simple. I think in her mind, she thought it was going to be more elaborate and more evolved. She said, but that is so simple. I said, Gail, it is simple. I said, you don't have to do a lot. I said, Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done. I said, all you have to do is just believe and ask him to forgive you. Now, I wish I could tell you that I led her to the Lord right there, but it wasn't the time, and I didn't feel constrained of the Lord. and think she was still processing all, this, processing all this, but I encouraged her. I said, Gail, look, I've shared this with you, and if the Lord begins to deal with you, I want to encourage you to pray and talk to the Lord and ask him to forgive you and ask him to come in here. I, hope, I just hope I'll see her in heaven. I hope that somewhere, somewhere between here and going back to France or in France that she prayed and gave her life, Lord. Look, here's the point. The gospel has got to be shared, but it's got to be received, okay? So all we can do is share it, but at some point, it has to be received. And, and, I, and I so wish that she would have received it that day, but, but it has to be shared first so that people can believe and, and come to Christ. So that's the first thing Paul says. Here's the other thing that Paul says. Not only do you preach it, but you have to hang on to it. You have to hang on to it. And, and once you believe and are saved, these are the terms that Paul used. He said, you stand, you stand in the gospel. You stand in the good news that you believed and the salvation that you received. He said, you hold fast. That's another phrase he used. You hold fast to the gospel that was preached to you and you never let go. I'm having an image right now I didn't even have in my notes. How many of y'all have a dog? Anybody had a dog? Okay, I don't think cats do this. I'm not really a cat person, and I don't care. Just kidding. So, but I'm a dog person. And so we have this little Maltese. Okay, he thinks he could, he thinks he could destroy a Rockweiler. Okay, the Rockweiler would snap him in two. But my little Maltese, my little white Maltese Bodie, okay, he, every once in a while, he'll get a hold of something he's not supposed to have, okay, and I got to get it from him. Have you ever had your dog do that where they're like this, and then they go into that whole they lock down mode, and they clamp on the whatever it is, and as you put your hand down, they go, okay? His little mouth's about that big, okay? But he's, sound, he's trying to sound like a Rockweiler. He's clamping, and, I, and you can grab a hold of that, and they will not let go. 
You ever had a toy, like you throw the toy? We got this long green little toy. It's his favorite toy, and we'll throw, and he'll grab it. He'll shake that thing, you know, because it's in, that's in their DNA. They got to shake the rabbit and kill it, you know, and they think they're, and they'll get it, and then I'll grab it, and I'll, I'm going to pull it, but he won't let go. We're doing it like this, right? We're pulling. He just clamps down. He won't let go. That's the image I want you to get today, that once you get saved, Somebody ought to be shouting right now. Once you get saved and the Lord changes your life, you clamp down on it. You growl at the devil and anybody else that tries to take it from you, and you never let go. You shake your head and you say, no, can't touch this. No, you can't have this. I don't care what you say. This is mine. That's what Paul's saying. Hold on to it. Because there are forces at work striving to separate you from the gospel. The devil will lie to you. Your own flesh will fight against you. The world will offer you alternative gospels and, and even try to make you feel stupid. You know, you're so stupid. You people hugging your Bibles. Your Bible, you Southern people holding your Bibles and your guns will come try to take us from us and see what happens. Sorry, just kidding. I got a little, a little wound up there for a minute. But that's what people say is why I said that. You people with your Bibles, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we love our Bibles. This nation was built on the Bible. Our, all of our civil laws come from a Judeo-Christian foundation. Better be thankful for that Bible. We should have left the Ten Commandments where they were instead of removing them, which come from the Bible. Man, I'm going down a rabbit trail, and I better get back. People will offer you alternatives to your gospel. Moral relativism, humanism, socialism, false religions, religious activity. Oh, yeah, go to church. Everybody in the South goes to church. Go to church. As long as you go to church, everything's all right. I remember somebody, somebody told me one time, they asked the guy, said, are you a Christian? He said, I'm a Baptist. <laughs> I'm not picking on the Baptist. That's just the story. But the point of the story that the guy was trying to make to you, he probably was a Baptist, is that it doesn't matter if you're Baptist, Assembly of God, Church of God, Methodist, Presbyterian. That's not what we ask. Are you born again? There's a difference. You can go to church. You can be involved. I, I, I knew a man that, that he, he's dead and gone now. I preached his funeral last year, but he told me, he said, I was the deacon at a Baptist church. And he said, I was the lead deacon, chairman of the deacon's board. He said, I wasn't even saved. He said, how does that happen, Pastor. I said, I don't know. Wouldn't happen to this church, so I can't speak for that church, but I don't know. Okay, you can have religious activity and not be saved. You, if you're saved, religious activity is a good thing, but religious activity to get you saved doesn't work. Even religious people will preach alternate gospels that emphasize works and they'll try to remove the cross and say, let's don't sing songs about the blood. That'll upset the visitors. But I came here today to tell you, as long as I'm pastor of this church, we're going to sing, talk about the blood of Jesus every chance we get because there's power in the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Why would I want to get rid of the blood if it's the only thing that can wash my sins away? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Why would I want to eliminate the blood if it's the only thing that can restore my soul and heal my sin-sick body? Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no, nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
So, so you can't eliminate things from the gospel and still have the gospel. And this happened to some believers in the region of Galatia in the first century, and Paul had to address it. I don't have this on the screen. Just let me read it to you. He said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. That's strong preaching right there, isn't it? And I, and I went back, I, I mean, I knew, but I thought I'm going to go back and just study it again, do, do, do my homework, and, and, and what does that mean? It means to be alienated from God without hope of being redeemed. Let him be alienated from God without any hope of being redeemed. And my mind got to working, and I'm never, I don't ever want to be crude in the pulpit. I don't like that kind of stuff, but I'm just going to tell you right here. It kind of sounds to me like Paul's telling like, you just go to you know where. It's what it sounds like. I mean, if you're totally, completely alienated from God with no hope to be redeemed, there's only one place you're going. Now, that's strong. See, that's strong. That's why I'm pointing that out to you. That's strong. What, is Paul being mean? Is he one of those mean preachers? No, 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 no. What he's saying is, if you're going to preach another gospel and pervert the gospel, then here's what's going to happen to you. You are cursed. You're not going to get saved. You trust in a different gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will be eternally stuck in your sins, alienated from God forever, and you are not redeemed. I used to grow up singing, I'm redeemed by love divine, glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to him I now resign. I have been redeemed. And so you have to trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ to be saved. So never accept a water-endowed gospel. Never accept a compromising gospel. Never accept a gospel that removes the cross or eliminates the blood of Jesus. Run from any gospel that says you can be saved and still sin. That's not the gospel. When God saves you, you stop sinning. When God saves you, he changes you. Seize the gospel that saved you and cling to it all your life. Treat it as a prized possession, never to be relinquished. Cling to the cross. You know the old hymn, the, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. That's what you do. You just grab a hold of it and don't let go. There's something that you're going to put on the screen that I want you to grab a hold of this morning. Persevering faith is saving faith. Persevering faith is saving faith. And there is still floating out there I think, some concept that if you'll just pray a prayer when you're 5 or 12 or 10 and ask the Lord to forgive you, then boom, a priori, you're guaranteed to go to heaven and everything's cool. doesn't matter how you live and if you have a relationship with God, doesn't matter. Boom, you're in. It's a done deal. Boom. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that doesn't match up with the rest of the Bible. I'm sorry. Because there's this very fundamental scripture that's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's sort of the crux of everything we believe. It says the just, the saved people, the saved people, the just shall live by faith. It's not an act. It's a lifestyle. 
God didn't do something for a one-moment act that is ineffective. The efficacy, you know, we've been talking about the efficacy of these vaccines and the efficacy of medicines. The efficacy of Jesus' salvation is lasting. Okay? It, it, it changes you, and then you just, well, that's why I said you cling to it. That's why Paul said, don't believe in vain. Don't believe and then turn your back and go back into sin and backslide or, or, or just play games with God and toy with this thing. He said, don't believe in vain. Hold fast to it. And just walk and live in what you believe all the days of your life until you get to the end. I want to go to bed every night knowing I'm right with God, and I want to get up every morning knowing I'm right with God. Does anybody else feel that way? Huh? I don't want to play games with this. This is my eternal salvation. I love Jesus too much. This thing isn't a game with me. Jesus is real. He's my friend. I talk to him every day. He's real. He lives in my heart. And he saved me and he changed me so that I can be a vessel of honor, made holy to the master, useful for every good purpose. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. He said, put off the old man, which is being corrupted by its evil desires, and be made new in the attitude of your mind, and put on the new man, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the desires thereof. Does that sound like a life of sin? That sounds like a life with a higher calling. But it's not something I've got to strive for on my own. When the sin goes out, the Holy Spirit comes in, and I have an internal power and a presence to help me live right every day and trust the Lord in faith all the way to glory. And I sure like what Mary, I'm just preaching right now. Is y'all all right? I'm just preaching. I'm not even in my notes anymore. I'm just preaching. Preachers being a preacher. I sure like what Mary Beth said. Boy, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm with her. I messed up. Oh, the times I've messed up. And I, I, and I didn't really need the Holy Ghost. I could beat myself up all by myself. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, the Holy Ghost will convict you, but I beat myself up real good. As a matter of fact, God will forgive me, and I'll just walk around and beat myself up for about three more days. We all do it. If you have any heart for God, you'll beat yourself up. But I so appreciate what Mary Beth said when she said, you got to let go, not live in a life of regrets. I love what she said. She said, you got to let it redeem it and, and then re-identify and say, I may have messed up, but God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. How many thank God for the mercy of God? How many are glad God puts up with you? Come on, stand with me. The old, the old hymn says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. That's all. All other ground is sinking sand. I've told this story through the years, and I was coming to church this morning, and the Lord laid it in my spirit to tell it this one one more time. Some of you heard it. Some of you have it. Dwight and Lane Henderson came to church here for years. When Dwight came to this church, he was backslidden. He used to serve the Lord. There was a point in his life, obviously, when he was not saved, and he was in sin for many years, and then he got saved, served the Lord for a while. Something happened. 
He gave the gift back to God. He would have told you, I was backslidden. I gave the gift back to God. You can't lose your salvation, but you can give it back. He said, here, I don't want it. Turned his back on God, just went right back into living like he was before he got saved. But somehow, somebody, somewhere got him to come here, and they would always sit right over here, Steve, about where you guys sit. And one Sunday, Dwight and Elaine were here, and I preached a message like this, and I said, okay, we're going to pray this sinner's prayer. I want everybody to pray it with me. And this is Dwight's testimony. He said, so he started praying the prayer, and he's just saying the, he was just saying the words because I said to say it, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's just saying the words, and he said about halfway through that prayer, it hit him what he was saying. It hit him. And he said at that moment, he started meaning it from the rest of that prayer. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for me. Oh, God, I confess you as my Lord. So forgive me of my sins. The rest of it. And that day, God saved that man, restored him. Got in the car, went home, never said a word to Elaine. Three days went by. And he said, I got to tell you something. She said, what? He said, Sunday at church, when we prayed the sinner's prayer, he said, I gave my life to Jesus. He saved me. She said, I knew something was up. She said, I could tell there was something different about him. Oh, she was rejoicing. Then she said, Dwight, why didn't you tell me on the way home? This is his words. He said, well, I wanted to make sure it took. It's my favorite stories he told. Wanted to make sure it took. It took. And I told that at his funeral last year. I told that at his funeral. I said, I'm going to tell you a story about it. This is his testimony. Y'all listen to me. The gospel has such power. It doesn't matter how bad you've been, what you've done how low you feel, what your reputation is, what people think about you, God will fix all that. Don't worry about that. God can change that. God will rebrand you. Don't you love that? God will rebrand you. I don't know what your brand is now. It's not very good, but don't worry about it. God will rebrand you. And everybody will know you're not what you used to be. If you'll just trust the Lord. What he did for Dwight, he can do for you. Do you need to experience the power of the gospel? I'm, I'm, I'm going to lead us in the sinner's prayer this morning. I did it in the first service. I'm going to do it in this service. And if you're a sinner here today and you're not right with the Lord, God sets you up. Isn't that wonderful? In love, he sets you up to be here on this particular day when I preach the gospel. I'm going to give you a chance to have a Dwight moment, Dwight Henderson moment, where you can pray, except mean it from the beginning. I'll give you the words, but you say them. You say them the Lord. The rest of us are going to be saying it to help you out because we're already saved. But you say them, and you mean it. Have faith in God. By grace, you are saved through faith. You trust God to do what he said he would do. And just let him give you the gift of salvation. And when you finish, God will have saved your soul. And Pastor Billy's going to close it out, and he'll ask you to fill out a Connect card. If you got saved today, you fill out that Connect card and check that first box that says, Today I'm giving my life to Christ. If you're backslidden like Dwight, you come home. Check that second box that says, Today in essence, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my life back to Christ today. Everybody bow your heads with me. Would you pray? Those of you watching at home, maybe you're watching at home and you're not saved, okay? You're watching wherever you're watching online. You're not saved. Listen. As I, as I say this prayer, you repeat it with us, okay? Say it with us. God will save you right where you are. God's unlimited by time or space. We may be here, but he's right there where you are. Come on, say this with me. Everybody pray now. Everybody help us out. Dear Jesus. Come on, everybody. Dear Jesus. I'm a sinner. You know it, and I know it, and I'm so sorry. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. 
and I don't want to be this way. And I believe that you died on the cross for me, Jesus. And I believe that you rose from the dead for me, Jesus. I believe you're alive, and I believe you're my Savior. And I ask you to please forgive me. Come into my heart. Wash my sins away. Change me. I'm sorry for everything I've said and done. Make me different. Make me new. Sit on the throne of my heart. I give my life to you. I repent of my sins. I'm going to turn my back on sin. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to do what's right. So right now, I accept you as my Savior. I accept you as my Lord, as my leader. You're in charge. You're my everything. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing my sins away. Now, come on, say this. Say, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. And I know that I am. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know if anybody got saved, but I'm going to have a little faith right now. Come on, high praises. Can we just at least clap our hands and celebrate just in case somebody gave their life to the Lord today? Come on, if you did, listen, we're celebrating what God did for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you ought to feel different right now. A lot of times I ask people, does it feel like somebody took a wash rag, cleaned you out on the inside? They say, that's how I feel. Well, that's what happened. He cleaned you out, not with a wash rag, but with his precious power. And all your sins are gone. Isn't it wonderful? You get a new start, a fresh start. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.